From the University of South Florida in Tampa, you're listening to Upload Download with James Hatton. On this edition of Upload Download, Celeste Hoskins joins me. How are you doing, Celeste? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> well, I'm I'm doing pretty well actually today. I uh, I don't know. You, I think I, I think we have ups and down days when we're in our houses all day long. Don't you think? Absolutely, absolutely. I'm right there with you. <laughs> yeah, like right now I'm on kind of an up, but I don't know. Could be tomorrow will be kind of a rougher day where you feel like you you get all antsy and want to get out and about yeah. and. Um, but today I'm doing pretty well, so that's good. Um, let's talk a little bit about your uh, job so that everybody gets to know you a little bit. Why don't you say what your day job is and, and uh, what that entails? Sure. Um, so I work for University of South Florida. I am a learning designer, level three learning designer um, with the university. And um, I've been here for uh, about five years now. And um I basically help instructors, uh, teach instructors how to teach online and um, using best practices and um, using, uh, making sure that you're providing your students with the um, the best opportunity to learn online. And one of the people you're working with is me right now. So (laughs) so I appreciate that. But uh, you are actively doing that and we're doing that before we, everybody went online. So uh, you certainly were experiencing instructors in a different way than you probably have been in, in a way right now where it was people that wanted to teach online and wanted to convert their classes to an online class or, or spruce them up or however you want to talk about it. But then you found out that the university was going all online and it sounds like that was a huge tidal wave in your office. Can can you talk a little bit about that? Because I'm I'm really curious about how you heard about that, and then what went into place right all all of a sudden there. Um, well, I was actually um, online probably about two weeks. I was working remotely from home about two weeks before everyone else. So my husband actually uh, met with a client who had just flown in from Japan. Um, and uh, he came into the office. He insisted he wanted to come into the office, and so. Um, my husband was quarantined and he was told, or he was told to self-isolate at home for two weeks. And then the next day I went into the office laughing about it, thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe like, you know, everyone's so paranoid about this. And then sh- later on that evening, I got an email <laughs> telling me to also stay at home Yeah, right. Um, for two weeks. So I was like, oh, okay, well, this is apparently more serious than I thought it was. Um, so that's how I ended up online. And then um, the, the, the second week I was actually home was the week where um, our entire team was just opening up just like, lo- like five hour long uh, online sessions where we were going over basically how to leverage Canvas right now in order to uh, continue to teach your courses online that you've been teaching face to face this entire time. Huh. And so we would have anywhere between, I think, 30 and 60 people in and out of those sessions throughout the day, probably more than that, because that's just the kind of the number that I noticed um, was steady, like it was between 30 and 40 people, but they would come in and out and they would ask different questions. And so we kind of had a format where we kind of had specific topics we were covering. Um, and our, you know, our administration uh, got that out to the appropriate departments. And so we hosted a different sessions for each 
uh, group. And then uh, the following weeks, um, the following week, we were just frantically putting together an online course for all of the summer courses to also go online because now everyone for the summer is going online as well. Right. Uh, Are you hearing anything about fall? I'm just Uh, hearing whispers. I don't know what what's going on for fall either so it's not a trick question (laughs) no honestly i've only heard i've i've only heard whispers too and i haven't heard it from anyone higher up in administration so i'm I'm not quite sure whether anybody's if they're actually going online for the fall yeah I, i i i mean it's obviously the whole world is kind of up in the air right now so we don't we don't know what we're doing with anything right now so but i i that's i think it's pretty real possibility that we might end up online at least to start the fall and so that continues in your office quite a bit Uh, for me it doesn't change much i'm teaching uh almost all my classes online in the fall anyway that's just my the nature of my my teaching schedule so so it doesn't affect me much but i i do think a lot about these uh these professors, these instructors that uh, have never taught online, I, I, the number I think I keep getting thrown around is that about half of the, the professors or instructors had never opened Canvas on the entire USF system. So that's a lot of people that are really don't know what they're all of a sudden doing. Uh, I don't mean that in a mean way, but they didn't know what to do. What right. even to click on, I think. Um, right. So what was like their, when they were coming into those sessions, what was their number one concern or what what was the the overwhelming thing that you were hearing? Um, over, I, I, I didn't hear as much, you know, frustration as I thought I was going to. Um, a lot of people, because they were currently running spring courses, were just saying, how do I do my synchronous sessions at the same time that I normally do my synchronous sessions? was number one. And number two was how do I um, give my online tests um, in a way where I know that, you know, that, you know, academic integrity is being protected. So um, making sure that they were online and and hopefully in some way proctored. So a lot of Proctorio and a lot of Microsoft Teams and a lot of Blackboard uh, Collaborate Ultra. Yeah. Um, The, the, uh, the interesting thing, it's, it's, it's an interesting part of instructional design history, is, is that when classes first ever went online, the first thing that anybody ever wanted to do was replicate the face-to-face classroom in an right. online environment. And I know that you deal with this a lot in your job just in general, where people say, well, this is what I do when I have my class in my lecture hall. And they want to just replicate that. They would just want to uh, maybe videotape themselves giving the lecture literally with no visual aids, maybe the PowerPoint on right. them and the screen behind them and lecture for an hour and 15 minutes or whatever they would do in a, in a lecture class. And it's, it's interesting that that's what everybody reverted to when they were calling in or looking for help or uh, coming to you guys for, for this assistance is that they just wanted to replicate what they were doing. They didn't even think, at all that there might be another possibility is that am i getting that correct absolutely um and i think because most because most of the instructors who really came to those online sessions were not instructors who have ever taught online or really have even thought about teaching online and so they still had the mindset of those instructors that we used to work with years ago who that so they automatically just think i just need to figure out how do i do what i do now online and I mean, once what we're normally always telling people is it's comparing apples to oranges. There's yeah. no way that you can you can compare the two. They're they're done differently. But 
in a mad scramble. We don't really have time to teach the, all of the best practices. At the moment, we're just trying to get them through, like, let's finish up your spring course, if that's the way you feel most comfortable. And then once we're going into the summer courses, we can do a little bit more um, teaching about how online instruction, uh, online instruction is really supposed to work. Yeah, that, that is kind of the mode, I think, that I feel that, too, uh, with um, a lot of things in my life, including my son, who's in a, a is in a K-12 environment. So I, there is a lot of this, let's just get you to that, this point so we can regroup and then figure out how to do some things, uh, maybe employ at least a few more better practices, not even best practices, but even just better yes. um, practices to try and get this uh, out and about. I, are, they, is, are you feeling a second wave at all? Or is it, was it just that initial, how do I get this online? And then it's just kind of died down. Um, I think it was, it was, how do I get this online? Then it died down. And so we do have, we have a second wave because we've created, um, an online course. It's called DYOC. Um, our, our department It's called, um, design your online course. It's something that we were working on as a companion course mm -hmm. to go along with the instructors who were working with us, um, primarily. Um, but now we kind of converted that into a course for instructors who are working, on their own to develop online courses and making sure that they know that they can reach out to any of us on our team for support. Um, so the second wave is coming now that we are reaching out. Uh, we have our virtual office hours and we're reaching out um, multiple times a week to say, hey, we're here, we're online, do you have any questions? And our, administ our administration too is reaching out to the other the department heads and making sure that they are, that all of the faculty who need the help are um, channeled um, to us and at some point um, throughout. So I'm getting random emails um, sporadically throughout the day from different faculty I've never heard from before uh -huh. that say, hey, I was told to contact you. And I think that's what we're all doing at this point. Right. Well, it's, I mean, it's, it's quite the endeavor. So it's, it, you guys, I know that everybody down there, and I know a lot of people in your, in your office, I know them pretty well. So I, I know that everybody's working really hard, but they are definitely pulling together for, especially for our university right now, to to keep things up and running. And I don't think it would have been a, as easy a decision or as as smooth a decision if Innovative Ed hadn't existed at USF. I don't. It would have been up, left up to the colleges, I think, the individual right. colleges to decide how they were going to implement something. Mm -hmm. So at least there's some place that could be a central location. It, it may change your job a little bit in the future. I don't know. <laughs> I wonder about that too. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, maybe you'll get a lot more uh, interest in in converting courses now too. Do you do you get that feeling? Um, I I I hope so. Um, you know, I I definitely think that um, there are opportunities out there that. Um, instructors like for, for courses and for students that instructors haven't been able to or students haven't been able to experience because of the reluctance of the instructors um, and reluctance of entire departments in some cases yeah, right. yeah. and so now that now that a lot of them are kind of almost forced into um, having to consider um, teaching online I'm hoping that once they teach their summer courses that maybe they'll be a little more open to um, this type of learning. And I, I think, I think a lot of the, I think what, why a lot of people are closed off is because they do want to rec replicate what they do in the classroom online and they don't see how that's possible. Right. Yeah. And in, and in some cases it isn't possible, frankly, there, yeah. you know, yeah. that's obviously the case, but there are some classes that 
are you're able to do them online and you almost can't do them face to face with effectiveness. So it, it is apples to oranges uh, in mm-hmm. in my world too. So I I, set, I definitely share that that belief. <laughs> um, let's uh, I want to talk a little bit about uh, your background that you got this job. Some people hear about your job uh, and they they want to know well how would I get a job? I didn't even know jobs like that existed. And I, one thing I do believe is that jobs like that are going to explode right now, uh, which is a good thing for my program that I teach in because we prepare people to do your job. Um, you were in a, a student in, in, in my program, but tell us a little bit about your, your background and, and how you came to that job. Um, I actually got my, I've, I've always been, um, really into writing and so mostly creative writing. Um, so as uh, growing up, I always thought I was going to be an author. And so, um, but my, my parents steered me towards, um, journalism because they felt it was a more practical field for me to be in. And I said, I'm a writer. I could probably do journalism. That is apples to oranges, creative writing versus journalism. (laughs) And so I, I got the, I, I, I finished the program and I said, I need to keep going. I need to get my master's degree in something. Um, and so I kind of fell back on education because I come from a family of educators um, so I started getting my master's in educational leadership, and um, about halfway through, I took a course um, from an instructor. His name is uh, Dr. Terry Cavanaugh. I don't know if you've ever heard of him, but he was at he was at University of North Florida. Um, and so when I took a course on instructional technology from him, and he talked a little bit about instructional design, I said, "Hey, that sounds like something." that I would want to go into. And so while I was taking these graduate courses, I was also, um, I also had a part-time job as a graduate assistant in the instructional design department at the University of North Florida, um, really just kind of creating video tutorials and trying to come up with like interactive ways to make video tutorials for instructors um, to understand how to use Blackboard and how to use PowerPoint and so that was kind of like my major job. And then um, through doing that, I realized how much I, I loved it. And then I, um, I kind of steered my elective courses towards, you know, assistive technology, like assistive technology, accessibility, like those courses that were involved with instructional design. Um, so I did still come out with a degree in instructional technology technically, but um, since I was working in the instructional design department, um, I, it kind of flowed for me. I did. I, I kind of went into teaching for a little while, um, sixth, seventh, and eighth grade language arts, uh, because I I know that I wanted to see what it was like. Since I do come from a family of educators, um, and I I I think I just enjoyed being in higher education a little bit more than um, in uh, the middle school uh, arena. Right. <laughs> so. Yeah. Hey, they're different arenas. There's no doubt about that. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> um, in your life right now, you are not just working. You're like, I don't know, so many millions of people right now. I guess billions yeah. probably. Yeah. <laughs> Where you are uh, in your house with your family and you've got multiple people doing multiple things in one small space. Um, yes. So why don't you tell me a little bit about what that's like and, and, and who is all online and what's going on at your house? Sure. As you're, look, as you're as you're waving to some of them on the side. <laughs> yes, as she comes down the stairs, like jumping around. So um, I'm here with my husband and my and our two kids. We have a five year old in kindergarten and a seven year old in second grade. Um, 
And uh, it's definitely been an experience since he primarily, my husband primarily works on the phones. Um, a lot of the responsibility is um, here uh, with me, with the kids, uh, because he's dealing with financial information and, and privacy and issues. So he is not really supposed to have a ton of, like a ton going on while he's working. So um, they're definitely down here with me. Um, everything around me is a complete wreck right now because it's just, um, I'm actually finding that I am pulling in a lot of my skills that I learned as a teacher. Like even though I'm not, even though I'm getting the lessons from the teacher, I still have to plan out my day and plan out their days in order to make sure all of their work gets done and turned in on time. Um, and so on top of uh, doing my job, so I'm a kindergarten teacher, I'm a second grade teacher, I am a learning designer, and I'm a mom. Right. So um, it's definitely um, it's definitely a different experience, um, and it's not something I would want to, I, I think, replicate. I actually do love teaching my kids. I'm actually enjoying doing it, but it's it's um, it can be overwhelming at times. Yeah, it's a lot to take on when you when you're doing your job at the same time, and they're off to the side, and you want to have equal amount of uh, attention paid to both your job and your kids. And, you know, like that's, that's, I, we're all experiencing that I think right now. And, yeah. and it gets really, really difficult just to manage that time. And I mean, like I look up and I'm, oh my gosh, it's six o'clock at, in, in yes. the night. I didn't <laughs> know it was six o'clock. And, it, you know, you, you don't remember when the last time was that you, you stood up out of your chair, which is another weird thing is this kind of sedentary existence that I suddenly feel like I have. But, uh, yeah. but that, that aside has something with, um, helping your kids and seeing how they're being taught online and they are younger. Has that informed anything in like, Oh, that's, that's what I could use in my job. It might be something that changed a, a perspective or anything like that. Um, I, I don't know that it's changed a lot. It's definitely reminded me of some skills that I feel like I should be emphasizing more with my faculty who have not, never taught online. And so there are things that kind of, for me, are second nature. And I, and I assume that, I think sometimes there are some things that I'm, I may be assuming that instructors know before they start teaching online. And um, those things I definitely want to reconsider. Like there was one case where my son, he's in second grade, he was doing a writing assignment. And so when I sat down with him to help him with his writing assignment, he was extremely frustrated because he said he hadn't learned these skills yet. And I was like, well, what parts of the story or what parts of a narrative have you learned? And he says, well, I don't, I don't know. I don't remember. And I was like, do these sound familiar? He says, no. And he, do these sound familiar? Well, yes, I remember talking about that. So it was, I realized I have no idea where he is yeah. um, in his education in writing. So I had to call the teacher and say, Hey, um, I'm not sure where to start with him. I, like I, this, this writing assignment is just telling him to read a story and rewrite the story in a new and creative way. Um, and it really didn't break it down because it's not a teacher's guide. It's just kind of the worksheets that he has to do. And so I had him get on a conference call with um, my my son or her get on a conference call with my son to help him kind of walk him through some things and also kind of help me understand this is where we left off the last time we talked about writing. And so this should connect. So there was a lot there was a lot of there were some dots that were not connected. And so um Kind of one of the things that I, I know that I, I tell my faculty, I used to tell my faculty more was, or emphasize more was making sure that you're making those connections from what they might already know to what they, um, what they're going to be learning. Um, and I don't know that I still talk about that as much as, as I'm talking about just developing um, the course that we're working on now, the learning objectives that we have now. 
Um, so that's something that I definitely want to um, consider when and try to bring back into the conversation when I'm talking with faculty. Yeah, one of the things that uh, that I've learned from this whole experience is that, uh, I, for better or for worse, I'm a little bit more into synchronous stuff than I, mm-hmm. I used to be totally away from that. And I, I still am significantly away from just delivering my course in a synchronous fashion. Um, but I, I do think that there's, I, I'm going to start implementing either like a, kind of a webinar into my courses in the maybe two or three times so that there's kind of a little lecture material that if you want to come get it, you can get it that will clarify an assignment maybe. And then mm-hmm. students can ask questions and they know that I'm there, kind of like you're running your office hours. And so right. it will almost act as office hours, but they're they're non-kind of committal. They're, they, you know, I think when there's office hours, you feel a little, oh, I'm, am I going to be the only one that it's in there or whatever? It's, I don't know, it feels... It could be a little scary, I think, for maybe students to, to do that if they don't think, well, there might be 10 people. There'll probably be 10 people in that webinar that, mm-hmm. you know, that I'm doing and I don't, I'm not expected to do anything. I just can listen, take some notes and learn more. And I, so that's one thing that I've because we're so used to using Teams and Zoom and all these other technologies now that um, I could see some some more value in it than I used to. I do think that when people go to take an online course and register for one, in particular at USF, at the college and, and kind of doctoral and master's level, that they are, they are looking for asynchronous. They are looking for, I want to use, figure out when I use my time. I just need the deadlines and I need the guidance to get there, which is most of what you, you folks do at your job. So, uh, is, is to set most of that up. Um, but I, that's one of the things that I've learned. And the other thing that I do continue to, to try to remember because of the courses that I teach is, is your point. Um, you know, when I teach somebody web design, I could have people that are professional web designers in my course who are just trying to sharpen up or need to get the course to get through the program or whatever. And I have people who have never, they don't know what HTML is. They didn't know that's what it was called. And I start them coding. And I try to uh, let them know, you can be a beginner, you can be advanced, and you can learn something. But you're going to have to be able to turn your computer on <laughs> or something like that. You know, yeah. <laughs> It's like, here's the base quality of what you need, and then we can go from there. So I, I do think that that's, that's a pretty good piece of advice. Uh, it's interesting that that's what you've learned from that because I think a lot of parents are in that boat where it's like, hold on, I need to know where you are. And right. I don't know. You feel a little bad as a parent sometimes going, how come I don't know where you yeah. are? Should I know this? Yeah. More? I don't know. I don't, I, well, I, I think it's, uh, it's definitely a, a growth for everybody. There's no doubt about that. Yes, it's. I mean, it's 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 very different from when they usually when they usually come home and I just glance through their papers to make sure that you know their grades look good, versus I have to sit down and help them. I mean, and we were doing that with homework, but you know, I, I feel like a lot of their homework is is almost geared towards um, getting ready for testing, and so the real work was kind of hap- a lot of the real work was happening in the classroom, and this is just practice and homework. They're encouraged to do on their own without our assistance anyway. So to actually have to sit down and really like go through what it was he's learning or both of them are learning and, and where I need to pick up the pick up where they left off is is has definitely been challenging um, a little bit in some areas. 
Um, but what you were saying about um, the synchronous learning, I think I really think there's a very there's synchronous learning. I still feel like is still very different from your your online your typical online learning. There's a there are a lot of other there you you are gonna you're gonna take different things into account whenever you're doing synchronous sessions. You're gonna be providing agendas. You're gonna, I mean there's a it, it's a different setup for sure. And I don't yeah. know that a lot of instructors know that. I think they just think you give them a time and you log on and everybody's just gonna appear. Um, and that's not necessarily that's not usually the case. Yeah, and and you have to remember as as I always think. You have to think about the user, the the student, mm -hmm. and put yourself in their shoes. Do you want to listen to somebody lacture on a video camera for three hours on Wednesday night? I, the answer right. is no. I, it's not engaging to me. I'd rather engage in different ways. And so that's what you and I, when we work together, we're trying to figure out ways to engage the learners as best we can in as different, many different ways as we can. Uh, just to keep them motivated to to learn, not not just to do the work, but I'm more concerned about did you learn something, and I know that that is what you're after too. I don't want to say that like that's all I'm after, but, but <laughs> yeah, it is. It it it's it's something that I think I could sprinkle in that I haven't sprinkled in much before because um, it in you see the problems with it when you do sprinkle it in, which is you know everybody can't get to you on this time on this day and so it's a right. lot of extra work to add that into a workflow as a teacher too so mm -hmm. it, it it's it it's something that i want to sprinkle in and try out a little bit when i as i get moving along here um what's i i have a couple quick questions left and then we can kind of end this and and uh because we're running up against time but i sure. i am curious how they're delivering to your kids um what school district are they in um, so one of my kids is at um, a private school uh, because we wanted to, we wanted her. She has a late birthday, and we wanted her to go ahead and start kindergarten because she was ready. Um, and then the other is at a charter school that's really that's right down the street from from the other school. Um, he so my son is in second grade. He started at the charter school, um, and he's doing really well there. And so they they're both they both have totally different strategies. One of the big things I noticed between their schools versus just any of the public schools was that they, after spring break was over, they were ready to go. Like there was no lull. I, I talked to my friends and they were saying that there was a lull and they didn't have anything to, for their children to do. They were scrambling to find things. And my, uh, my daughter's school, who's in, who's in a private school, they had a drive up where you would go up to the school. You would pick up your kids fold, you would pick up your kids packet of work for a, a several weeks and we had everything ready to go. And she and she's doing Zoom session or not Zoom. She's doing Zoom sessions twice a week. And then she's also um, the teachers also um, providing uh, little mini lecture videos between five and eight minutes um, for her for kindergarten. That's perfect. And she's doing them along with some of the worksheets and things that she's doing the pro and the art the projects that she's doing. Um, versus my son, um, we've been provided with an agenda, um, kind of a count like a like times or recommended times to do things, which we never end up following. Um, but uh, we have everything we need for every week. She emails us daily to remind us what the agenda is. And um, she has Zoom, now she's having Zoom sessions every day at 930, which conflicts with my schedule a bit. <laughs> but is that is that more like a, an office hour kind of thing? Like if you need to Zoom, you can pop in there? Or is it is it like they expect everybody to be in the class at 9? I think it's 
I I don't know that they necessarily expect them to be there. Like at eight o'clock, they have to do a check-in. So right at between eight and eight thirty, the parents have to check the kids in to say that they are here for the day. So they're still counting attendance. Um, and then they're also, and so the nine thirty session, I think she is doing lessons in them. So they're not necessarily required because the because they're actually being graded on the te- on the all of the assessments that they're doing at the end of the week based on the week based on all the work that they've done. Um, throughout the week, they they're graded on the assessments that they do at the end of the week. What, so, what the, uh, how are you checking in? Like, what what is a do they have an LMS or what are they using? Oh, we're using a lot of different things. <laughs> but um, so both of my kids just so happen to be using Class Dojo. Okay. So, but just in very different ways. So my daughter's submitting everything via Class Dojo, and Eth- my son he is just checking in via Class Dojo, and we're receiving communication via Class Dojo. Okay. Um, and then they're also she's also he's also using Edmodo to turn in his assignments um, as opposed to using Class Dojo, and so it's it's um, you forget it's, which one you're in when you're turning yeah, stuff in with them. Yeah. It's all over the place. My son has a ton of apps, so my daughter really just has Class Dojo, and my son has Class Dojo. He has Edmodo. He has Scholastic. He has Envision Math. He has he has several different apps that he's working with. They're all unlo- they're all under one app called clever a website called clever where he logs in and he can see all of the applications he's using yeah i think every parent uh is that's listening is nodding in agreement yep that sounds like my <laughs> existence some of those i don't recognize the name of but yep that's what it's like for me it's what it's like for us um, yeah so uh let's wrap this up with this uh give me your first uh okay i'm i'm a teacher i was put online i'm uh i'm out there and i'm going help I need one piece of advice. What's your one piece of advice that I can immediately use if I'm, oh my gosh, I'm online? Um, I, I hope that this isn't too much of, of advice, but make just make sure that everything that you provide your everything that you provide your students, um, you normally would provide in your syllabus. Make sure that you're communicating. A lot of that content throughout the weeks. So if you have you have your learning objectives that you want your students to accomplish, make sure that you are um, communicating and connecting those learning objectives with whatever they're doing um, in the class, um, like in in a way that you would normally do. You know, when you're talk- when you're normally talking to them, you have to provide it in a, in either a text format, a video format, but you have to get that information to them. So make sure you're trying to get the information to them. Um, in a way that's engaging, in a way that's um, brief, uh, so so that students don't become as overwhelmed as you probably are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So uh, you're a pretty active parent with kids at home and a husband who's also working online. Uh, what, what's your one piece of advice you would give to another parent right now helping those kids online? Um, helping the kids. I will probably say um, just do as much as you can when you can. And if you're like me and you're and you're a little type A, um, it's okay to let go of some of the things that you normally would have in your routine. Um, and just you know, just make sure that they know that you you love them and you care about them, and um, that um, we're all you know, you know we're all in this together, and we're going to get through this. Yeah, absolutely. I'm, that's that's me. I'm all about grace and compassion right now. It's yeah. Yep. Whatever you need and whatever you, if you need to take a break, take a break and let yourself 
fall into right. that break. You you probably need it if you feel it that bad. That's what I always say too. So I'll t- okay. I'll just piggyback on that a little bit. But I I I agree with both of your your two top tips uh, for what that's worth. And I really enjoyed having you on the podcast. Yeah, it was great to be here. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. It was, it was a nice, nice to get at, just to be able to talk about it and, and um, you know, just talk about it with someone else who's experiencing the same thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it, Celeste. And, uh, you know, hang in there. You too. You too. Take care. Follow, upload, download on iTunes or SoundCloud. Also follow me on Twitter at Jim underscore Hatton, H-A-T-T-E-N.